Today on the Main Quest Podcast, we're talking about the TurboGrafx-16 and Alien Crush. Hey guys, what's up? It's Keith. I should probably not hit the mic like that. It's a learning curve. Uh, it's the first episode of the Main Quest podcast, and if you guys don't know, I have compiled a list of about 480 games uh, that I've played throughout my entire life, uh, whether I owned them, rented them, or played them with friends. Um, I'm going back and completing them all in chronological order from my uh, very uh, fr- from a very early age as a child uh, till uh, I was like 27 or something. So it's going to end around like 20, 2011 or something like that. I don't know if I was 27 then. I can't do the math right now. We're not here to do math. So the podcast has a finite amount of episodes unless... There's reason to continue. Um, I haven't stopped playing video games. I'm still playing modern games. I just thought it would be interesting to replay all these games and um, kind of get a a new point of view on them uh, as an adult. Uh, A lot of these games I haven't played since I was a kid. It took me a few years to compile this list. Um, It's a list of stuff that I could remember, and then me going back and forth with my brother, who will probably be on this show at some point or another. It's kind of whenever he has free time. And a lot of these games, I don't remember at all until I start playing them again. Uh, There's like a couple, like Adventures of Lolo. I had that game as a kid, and I didn't recognize the title, but as soon as I started playing that game it's it's on the switch currently um but as soon as i started playing it i was like holy shit this fucking game i don't remember how to play this at all but i remember the little blue dude walking around or whatever the fuck i remember the little uh intro animation with the castle and and stuff like that so even though a lot of this stuff doesn't come to mind when i'm just reading the title of the game I'm, i'm really excited to go back and replay a lot of these so with that said, let, let me back up. Let's let's just take a minute because you know what today is, right? That's right. It's 420, man. Go grab your stash. I want a big old comforter size joint. Just roll it up, sink into the couch, and just let all your worries drift away. Put this podcast on as loud as you can and just... I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't... I don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Unless it's legal, do all the drugs you want. It's not legal here in Wisconsin. It's it's illegal for some reason. But you can still go drunk driving here, so that's fine. (laughs) Don't drink and drive either. Don't do that. Uh, So anyway, um, so for this first episode, it's going to be a little different from the start of the other console series. And this one's going to be shorter than the rest because I didn't have that many games for the TurboGrafx-16. Also, Alien Crush, it's a pinball game, so there's really not much to talk about when it comes 
to that game. So I'm going to kind of go over the history of the TurboGrafx-16. Not just my personal history with it, but the actual history of the game console. And and that's what I'm alluding to here is that I will not be going over the history of the NES or the Super NES or Game Gear or any of that stuff. Um, if you want to listen to other stuff like that, there's other podcasts out there that would do a much better job than than I could do. With that said, a lot of the history and stuff that I will be talking about came from Retronauts, because um, my dad, Jeremy Parrish, and my uncle, Bob Mackey, uh, those guys are crazy gaming historians. And they're very good at, at, what they, at what they do, very knowledgeable about the industry and, and all of that. And so they, they did a very uh, brief history on the TurboGrafx-16. I think it's on episode 228, uh, console launch lineups. They have about a 10-minute conversation on the TurboGrafx-16. And also uh, there's a YouTube channel that I follow called Classic Gaming Quarterly, which also has a very in-depth look at each console. So with a lot of these consoles... There's going to be a lot of intersecting uh, because growing up, and this is unusual uh, for the time, I always had multiple consoles. So at this time in my life, I had a NES and a TurboGrafx-16. And this is where the timeline gets a little confusing because we had the NES before we had a TurboGrafx-16. And it makes sense because the NES came out in... 84, I believe, in the U.S., and the TurboGrafx-16 didn't come out until 1989, and I don't know when we got the TurboGrafx-16, because I was really young. I had to have been maybe four or five when we had a TurboGrafx-16, but I don't remember ever owning a NES. I remember my friend owning an NES, and I was much older when I was playing it. I was maybe eight or nine. So my, my friend at the time, he had an NES. And when I was younger than that, my aunt had an NES. And I remember playing it at her house, but I never remember playing an NES at my house. But my brother, he's nine years older than me. He said we had an NES. So we must have had an NES. So that's why the podcast is starting on the Turbo Graphics. It's the first console I can remember owning. The only game I can specifically remember um, playing is Bonk's Adventure and Splatterhouse, I think. But we had five games, and one of them was Alien Crush. And it was one of those games that when I started playing it, I was like, oh, I know this game. I, I definitely, like, the memory just surged right back came right back to me and I, I knew exactly what it was. But anyway, we're not talking about Alien Crush. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're not talking about Alien Crush yet. So the TurboGrafx-16, that's what it was called here in North America, and I believe that's what it was called in Europe, was called the PC Engine in Japan. And it was created by uh, it was created by two companies coming together. Uh, one of them is NEC, and this is where... This is where I'm just going to slaughter. It's already starting. It's already starting. I'm going to just start slaughtering all this Japanese stuff. NEC 
Nippon, 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 Nippon Electric Company. I've heard the word all that. Uh, Classic Gaming Quarterly covered it. I, I don't remember how to pronounce it already. I already fucked up. But NEC made computer systems for like telephones and, and satellites and stuff like that. They're basically the Japanese version of IBM or Apple. And then the other company was Hudson. Now, Hudson was a huge third-party developer. Uh, they developed a lot of stuff for Nintendo. Probably if you're as old as me, you probably remember playing a ton of their games. Their biggest series was Bomberman. I don't even know if they still... Does Bomberman still exist? Yeah, I think they came out... I think Bomber... I think there was a Bomberman game for the Switch? But I don't know if it was a, a port of an older one or if it was a brand new Bomberman. But basically, in like 85 or 86, the Famicom over in Japan had already been out for quite a while. And um, Hudson basically developed a brand new processor for Nintendo. It was like, hey, like you want to put this in your new console? And Nintendo was like, no, we don't, we don't want that. We don't want that. We're doing just fine right now. We don't need to release another console and nec becoming a huge pc manufacturer they wanted to enter the console market and so they partnered up with hudson and they were like hey we see that processor you have we're looking to make a console let's collaborate together and so that's when the pc engine was born so the pc engine came out in japan in october of 1987 the united states would not see the PC engine until two years later in 1989 and once shipped here it was rebranded and called the TurboGrafx-16 because in the late 80s everything was starting to get edgy. Sega was coming out with the Genesis, their marketing was super edgy, everything was had to be super cool and rad and whatever, TurboGrafx. It's a bad name. The PC engine is also a bad name this is just kind of one of those things that caused the turbo graphics to fail and another thing that caused it to fail was its launch lineup although in japan the pc engine was relatively popular the first game that launched with the pc engine is called bakuru bakuraman bakuraman world Bakuraman world. Don't at me with this. I already know I'm just, it's not going to get better. It's not, it's not going to get better unless I go to Japan for like a couple months. Bakuraman world, uh, launched with the PC engine and it's such a weird concept for a game, I guess, but maybe not. It's a game that was based on an anime, but then the anime was also based on a candy, which was kind of like a, it's like a reverse Kit Kat. So like, the wafers were on the outside and the chocolate was on the inside. It's, I guess it's kind of like we had cool spot over here and like Pepsi man and stuff like that. So I guess like in modern day terms, it's like if there was a cartoon based on white claw and then there was a game based on that cartoon. Um, and then the other game that launched with the PC engine was Shanghai, which is basically just Mahjong. Um, so it's like this tile based puzzle game. But then in the U.S., you didn't get those games, which is fine because it would just completely go over our heads. So you get Alien Crush, which we'll be talking about later, China Warrior, uh, Dungeon Explorer, Power Golf, R-Type, 
the legendary axe victory run vigilante and a game based off of my life keith courage and alpha zones it's not based off of my life but i was only like fucking three years old when the console launched so keith courage is one of those games that definitely flew over our heads um, despite it being a relatively okay game but it was based off of an anime that nobody here knew about because anime wasn't huge in the u.s yet there was no market for it so a lot of the stuff was very unfamiliar let me i gotta take a sip of this coffee sorry i probably don't need any more coffee i feel like i'm getting a little a little twitchy and that's why the turbo graphics is kind of off to a slow start in the u.s but then you also had Nintendo, who was literally crushing the market here. I mean, you had Mario on cereal boxes. You had Mario on your underwear. You had the Mario cartoon. You had the Zelda cartoon. Nintendo was doing gangbusters. There was no stopping them. And by the time the Turbo Graphics came out, the Super Famicom was coming out in Japan. I'm probably wrong. A lot of this stuff is probably wrong. So feel free to correct me or whatever. Uh, I might even read your comments uh, on the show eventually. But anyway, so the Turbo Graphics was behind, and then you had the Genesis breathing down their neck, and their marketing was just so much better. The games, although they, the games that came out for the Genesis at the time were very similar to the ones on Turbo Graphics, they were a little more relatable in that they were just whole cloth original games that weren't based off of anything nobody was lost nobody felt like they were missing some sort of context to the game but then you also have i think what really sunk the turbo graphics was that it was super super expensive at the time uh, it was 200 dollars on release and not only that it didn't include everything you would think would come with a console at the time it had all sorts of peripherals you had the $400 CD peripheral so that's $600 just for that and then there's other peripherals like um, AC adapters and multi-taps and all sorts of other shit that was already included on the Genesis would kind of be included in the Super NES and it was just everything was super overpriced and at the time I, I believe the NES was like 70 bucks and then you could pay like another $15 to include duck hunt and like the light gun stuff and all of that and so you're getting more for a lot cheaper i think the genesis was like 150 at the time of launch i think i'm probably getting that wrong but it was cheaper the only thing that was ahead of its time was the cd peripheral that connected to the turbo graphics and even though the Turbo Graphics was the first to have CD-based games, it was more or less a novelty at the time. Nobody knew what the fuck a CD was. And not only that, I don't think NEC or Hudson even knew how to develop for CD-based technology yet. Because the discs held so much memory, they didn't know how to fill them up because the games were just... The games are only like a couple megs, if that. With all that said... I more or less found the history of the Turbo Graphics relatively interesting, and it's definitely interesting in 2020 because as of this recording, the Turbo Graphics 16 Mini is supposed to come out next week. 
but because of the coronavirus, it has been delayed until further notice. So by the time this episode comes out, it may have been released. Uh, but this is all very timely. And it's very interesting because nobody knows a lot about the TurboGrafx-16. Some of my friends were like, what the hell is a TurboGrafx-16? Nobody really knows. It wasn't it was hugely overshadowed by the Genesis and the Super Nintendo. And I think by 1992, they had stopped production of the TurboGrafx. And because it did pretty okay in Japan, because of the games that were based on their pop culture, I, I think NEC and Hudson continued to develop for the PC Engine up through 1998, I believe. But the TurboGrafx-16 Mini was announced at E3 2019, it's going to be $100. The North American and the European versions contain 57 games. And I believe the Japanese PC Engine Mini contains one more or two more games than that. And the crazy thing is history is kind of repeating itself because there are optional peripherals that you can purchase for your TurboGrafx Mini. And that's, that's crazy to me. I, I think it's crazy that they're coming out with this at all. I know it's a trend, and I feel like it's starting to die down a little bit. Just the release of this just seems so, so odd. And the fact that they wouldn't include the optional peripherals, I don't know what they are off the top of my head. I think it's a, I think it's another multi-tap and then like a USB adapter or something like that. Like, why isn't that stuff already included in the console? It's... It's a head-scratcher. It really is a head-scratcher. But one of those games that is included on both versions of the mini console is the game that we're talking about today, and that's Alien Crush. said before i never remembered playing alien crush as a kid up until i replayed it today i kind of compiled my list and uh talked to my brother about it and he was like yeah alien crush is on here amongst other games that i don't remember having the weird thing is that we didn't have keith courage um out of those launch games i think we only had like three uh, which is interesting because Keith Courage was the pack-in. So I don't know what happened to that. Um, I feel like we should have had that. Maybe my brother forgot. Um, I don't know. If so, it's it'll be added to this list. It'll be one of these episodes, if that's the case. Um, but yeah, it was definitely one of those games that I played today. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I vaguely remember playing this now as a kid. It, it's weird how memories work and how they're just kind of like, sometimes they're just like snapshots in your head. So published by NEC and Naxit, Naxit Soft, and developed by Compile 
Alien Crush's uh, pinball game that was released in 1988 on the PC Engine and 89 for the TurboGrafx-16. It's actually part of a series which is crazy to me. Um, it was followed up by a sequel called Devil's Crush, Jackie Crush, and then Alien Crush returns all the way uh, into the 2000s for the Wii. That's really surprising because it's just a pinball game. I'm going to be honest, I'm not much of a pinball person. I do like playing pinball. There's a lot of arcades around my city. And of course, there's pinball games at those arcades. And I, I do enjoy playing them. I suck at real life pinball. I don't know why I suck so bad, but I feel like every time I play 30 seconds into it, that ball's going right down the middle, right down the middle through the little, I don't even know the names for the parts of a pinball machine. That ball's just going right between those flippers and I'm just flip flopping and just what I just what helplessly watch that ball go go right down the middle. It sucks. It sucks. And I suck. I suck at pinball. And so while real life pinball cabinets are they called cabinets? Pinball boards? I don't know anything about pinball. So of course the the thing about real life pinball cabinets is they're usually based off of a property. I mean, I could just, The Simpsons, there's a Simpsons pinball thing, probably. There's probably a, there, I know there's a Terminator pinball game. There's probably a Frozen pinball game. You name it, there is a pinball machine based off of it. And so although it's really unusual, I think it's kind of cool for this developer to kind of create their own little world for these pinball games. I haven't played any of the sequels i don't plan on playing any of the sequels unless there's like a resounding request for me to to play them but i really enjoyed my time with alien crush the game looks fantastic the pixel work and the just the animation of the uh i think it's called the plunger the plunger that shoots the ball up it's the animation just and there's not a lot of animations going on but when that plunger just kind of like squeeze, it looks like metal, but then it also has like this weird, like uh, almost natural, like it's a flower, but it looks metallic. It's really off-putting. The whole game is kind of off-putting. It's got this like biomechanical look like, so you've got the aliens on the board. Is it called board? Is a pinball, the, the game area, is that called the board? I'm just going to call it the board. But, you know, the board has all these weird alien-looking things. There's brains that are surrounded by, like, metal. And there's bones and spines everywhere. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like H.R. Geiger meets the Terminator. It's very disturbing, kind of. I'm kind of surprised that I was able to play it as a kid. And, I mean, these, these aliens are very H.R. Geiger-esque. I mean, even right down to the fact that the the main alien head in the middle of the board vomits out face huggers. And there's even kind of like the little, uh, you know, the extra alien mouth that pops out of the alien in aliens. I mean, even those are just bursting out of the side of the board. But yeah, I mean, it, it looks fucking great. There are two modes to select from at the start of the game. You can choose fast and slow. Fast is your... Basically, it's just the normal movement that you would expect from a pinball game. It doesn't seem very fast. I feel like it should just be called normal. 
And then slow basically slows down the gameplay for you. It slows the ball down, slows some of the sprites down. It's basically an easy mode, basically a, a Keith mode, because again, I fucking suck at pinball. But I mean, it's not hard. It's definitely not hard. If you're just a, if you just like pinball and you're, you're good at pinball, fast is just the normal way to play the game, I think. And I, that's, that's the mode that I played on the most. Um, I did get better. I played this for a few hours. It's, it's a really good game. So don't be like, has it, if you pick this up, don't be hesitant to play it on fast because it's, I feel like it's kind of when you play it on slow, I feel like there's something like it's just doesn't feel like pinball if you play it on slow. So I think my only two hits against this game are the fact that there aren't more boards to choose from and the way that the board is split up. So again, from the title screen, you choose fast or slow, and then you also get to choose what kind of music you want to listen to. We'll get into that in a second. So again, you get to the title screen, you choose whether you want to play fast or slow, you choose your music, and then it just bits you out onto the board, and that's it. You don't get to choose any other boards, there's just the one board. And it's a vertical board, but it doesn't cover the entire screen, it is split up into two separate screens. But the first couple playthroughs, there is some getting used to the screen flickering back and forth between the top half and the bottom half of the board. It's kind of hard to explain, but you can go on uh, my Instagram account and see a short video of me playing the game to kind of get more of a grasp on what I'm talking about or go on YouTube and, and look up some gameplay footage. It is a little jarring at first, and if I remember right, I think from Sonic Spinball, which is probably the only other pinball-based video game that I've played, I think I think they do that as well uh, with the, the split board with the different screens. There is a third screen on Alien Crush, and that's basically your bonus round. These bonus rounds are basically like boss fights or challenges, and there's different enemies on the screen, and you have to basically eliminate them all to get the maximum amount of points that you can get in a bonus round. These bosses or challenges consist of either floating skulls and these things that kind of look like metroids you also get like this weird like alien snake thing that you get to fight and then you also have these slimers slime like from the ghostbusters like slimer you've got like three of these slimer looking things that are shielded by the metroids and you have to eliminate every metroid to get to the slimer and then kill the slimer as well those are the only three that i came across if there are any more bonus areas um i would like to know uh, i haven't found any of them after playing for a few hours i only ever completed one i i, I killed the slimers uh but otherwise it's it's pretty hard it's actually pretty difficult
And so going back to the music, you get to choose two different tracks. I think there are three tracks in total because the bonus areas have their own music, which is just the default music for that area. Whereas the main board, you get to choose from two different songs, one Lunar Eclipse, and this next one, it, it's, I fucking love the name of this song, Demons Undulate. <laughs> Demons Undulate. Uh, Lunar Eclipse is like, you just like your basic gamey action shooter kind of uh, track. It's It's... It's more or less pretty action-y, upbeat. It's uh, catchy. doesn't get too annoying or anything like that. Demons undulate. Undulate. I fucking... That word is... <laughs> undulate. Demons undulate. Those are two words that are just... I, I don't know. I don't know. I fucking... I fucking love the name of that. Anyway. It, Demons undulate is like a slower kind of creepier song uh it has like a really horror aesthetic to it and i don't know what the main instrument is that they're using on this uh sound chip but it kind of sounds like a, a harpsichord it's like a synthy sounding harpsichord um and so it does have that like kind of eerie vibe that more or less fits the game a little more than lunar eclipse but with that said, I feel like Lunar Eclipse is the better song. I feel like Demon's Undulate is a little more tiresome. And then the bonus room boards or the bonus boards, the boss fights, uh, that music's a little more toned down. It's kind of eerie, kind of scary, scarier. And for the bonus boards, now you don't visit these very often, so you don't hear the track that often, but it does loop every 15 to 20 seconds. And it's more along the lines of Demons Undulate. Um, but because you could maybe visit that board uh, two or three times in a session, it doesn't get that annoying. So I think that's about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Do I, I haven't decided if I'm going to give games like a rating or anything. I think like uh, numbered ratings are a little overrated. I feel like maybe I, I could say I recommend a game recommend or not recommend i think i'll do that i think i'll I'll go with go with that and uh if you think that uh i should change that or if you have a better idea i will definitely take it into consideration you can tweet at me or something or hit me up on instagram and and we'll see but for now i think i'm gonna go with the recommend not recommend style of rating and i'm gonna say I recommend Alien Crush. I mean, if you get a, your hands on a TurboGrafx-16 or a PC Engine, um, whenever the mini version comes out, Alien Crush is a great, it's a great game. It's, it's really fun to play. Despite there only being like one board, I never got tired of playing it. And despite me being terrible at pinball games, this actually made me feel like, it made me feel like an expert pinballer, pinball wizard. Not because it's easy, but I, I think it's the controls are very, very tight. Um, the bumper is it the bumpers, the bumpers. I don't know the flippers. Uh, the flippers are very responsive. It's it's a very cool game. It's a very, very cool game. If not a little just like like I said, the pixel work is just fucking fantastic. There's like these things that look like 
kidneys with like veins on them. I mean, it's the artwork is just great. So it's a little it's a little disturbing, but I mean, it looks fantastic and it's pinball. So there's really no end to the game. You can keep playing it as long as you want. There's no credits to my knowledge. And again, I haven't beat all of the bonus areas, but I imagine once you beat an area, you can keep coming back to it. And again, I think its only fault is the fact that the main board is split up into two separate screens. And so I think if you have very sensitive eyes or you are prone to seizures, I think the flickering between both screens uh, might bother you. But like I said, after a couple games, I got pretty used to it. So with that said, again, Alien Crush is a strong, strong recommend for me. And I think it's a great inclusion on the TurboGrafx Mini. This ended up being a lot shorter than I thought it would be, which is fine. Um, a lot of these games, these early games, the 8-bit, 16-bit era games are pretty short themselves. And so I can't see these early episodes going longer than a half hour, maybe. And I am going to be probably playing more than one or two games in a day uh, because they are so quick. Unless I'm really bad at them. That's one thing. That's one thing about me is I fucking suck at video games, uh, especially these early games. Uh, a lot of these earlier games are very, very hard. But that's also why I included the history of the TurboGrafx 16 in this episode is because Alien Crush would have just been like a 10 minute episode. And I didn't want to do that. And even though I don't care too much for the history of the console, I did find a couple things that were pretty interesting about it. And I do have segments planned out for future episodes uh, that will make the runtime a little bit longer. Hopefully it'll make the episode a little bit longer. I, d I don't want to stretch it out, but I want to make this, I want to make this stuff as entertaining as possible. And even if you guys have ideas, again, I'm totally open to it because I don't honestly, I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to play the games and I want to talk about them. That's basically it. I do look forward to having guests on here. My brother will definitely be a future guest. He, I already talked to him. He said that he would want to come on. He has probably more knowledge of these games than I do since he's much older than me. I do hope that this reaches a large enough audience so that I could eventually maybe get somebody on like Bob Mackey or Jeremy Parrish or whatever and have them grace me with their insane fucking knowledge of games, um, especially when I hit like the Game Boy era and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Just we're taking it one episode at a time. We'll see what happens. And so with that said, I guess I have to throw out the socials, right? You can email me at mainquestpod at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at mainquestpod. And follow me on Instagram at the underscore main underscore quest on Instagram. Send me suggestions for games that I should include on my list if they're not already there. I'm not going to put the list out there, but I'll quietly read your recommendations and let you know whether or not they'll be a future episode or not. Or uh, tell me how much I don't know about video games. Tell me how bad I'm at video games because that will become apparent as the show rolls on. Or just leave a comment or tell me your experience with Alien Crush or the TurboGrafx-16. So with that said, I will see you guys next week talk to you guys next week you guys can't see me i can't see you i will talk to you guys next week about the legendary axe